Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. This week on Poetic Resurrection, we have Miriam Galt. She is of Persian, Saudi, Scottish heritage and leads a quiet life in Dubai where she spends most of her time reading, writing, recording, and creating poetry films. She composes and narrates stories about different facets of the human experience in collaboration with musicians, artists, and filmmakers to create immersive audio tracks, poetry films, and experimental art. Hi, I am so excited to have Miriam Goth. She's a poet and a filmmaker who lives in Dubai. Hello. Hi. Hi, from Hi, Miriam. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I found you on Insight Timer because I'm also a teacher there. And I saw that you're a poet and a filmmaker. And I actually went yeah. from there and I started following the yeah. links until <laughs> I saw some of your videos. So tell me, how did you get started in poetry and It filmmaking? was kind of by chance. I started writing and narrating uh, short stories about different facets of the human experience and in the form of audio tracks, first and foremost, which combined music and, and sounds and sometimes singing. And then in some cases, that's the final destination. It's an audio track, which I'll then upload onto, for example, Insight Timer, or uh, I'm working currently on an album of uh, philosophical meditation. So the end product is what you listen to. So the soundtrack. But in other instances, I've taken it a step further and decided to film it and uh, create a poetry film featuring the soundtrack. And I'm, I'm quite open and, uh, to exploring different mediums or forms of expression. I'm really looking into experiential art. I love collaborating with different artists who can bring their skills to the table. And then together we can strengthen the narrative visually or auditorily as well. So it just kind of happened. Oh, so how long have you been writing? That's a good one. Writing off and on for many years, uh, but sharing my content really only um, in the last two, three years. Uh, But poetry films, even less so, I'd say in the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. Yeah, actually, in the last two years, poetry films. Uh, Before that, it was just random posts, uh, an article here and there. And then for the most part, for the majority of my life, I kept my writing to myself. Oh, that's funny. You know, so many, I did the same thing for poetry. Really? Yes. You want to write it, but then you're afraid to let people see it because it's it's so vulnerable. Exactly. It's such a, a vulnerable experience, you know. I've given presentations um, in the corporate world to a large number of people. But the minute you ask me to express a poem or sing or, you know, because it's coming from a deeper place within, uh, it becomes, you almost want to guard it yes. because it's so, so vulnerable, you know, and, and you're completely stripped from 
your defense mechanisms, your persona, it's all down. You're quite, uh, I'd say, fragile. Yes, it feels very fragile. But at the same time, there's like, I find that there's a relief. Oh, yeah, as well. Have you had people come up to you and say you you were talking about what I was feeling? Yes. Isn't that amazing how that happens? And we're so afraid to open up. But yet when we do it, it's like, oh, yeah, no, for sure. You will find people. I think the more authentic you are, uh, the more honest you are with what you feel uh, and how you express it the more you will find people coming up to you resonating with your content. But I mean, aside from the connection that you form with people, I think it's a very empowering process, the whole process of of creating and expressing. We're going to listen to a recording of Autonomy. Many of us find ourselves torn between two needs. The need to be who we are meant to be, to follow our dreams, and the need to fit in, often shrinking our dreams. And it is easier to play it small, to bow down and to conform, than it is to stand tall, rooted in your own truth and weathered by their storm. The wrath that can sometimes come from an insecurity that you have provoked by simply ascending into your heights can very quickly turn into slander, rejection, or harmful envy. And you learn this long before you get there because there are moments fleeting moments when you muster the courage to explore your capacity to relinquish the benchmarks that define success not defined by you but by society to have a little taste of what it would be like to do what makes you happy in those moments you're less interested in feeding egos more congruent with your ethos You drop the need to please, and this can be threatening, putting less people at ease. And when that happens, you find yourself misunderstood. A lot of heat comes your way and it feels like hate. You're slated, berated, a bit too different for the people to talk. You cave in, you cater to them. You slouch against the wall you build to protect yourself from them. What a shame. If you could just plow through the sufferings, you will earn the resilience. But oftentimes we don't. A sense of belonging is something we so desperately want. To be accepted and respected is a need that is essential, but how far do we go before we compromise our potential? Some would say there is a way 
to balance the two, to find a middle ground that would please both them and you. I say, find a small tribe to see you through, then tip the scales in favor of showing up as you, just you. I really like that. Yeah, it's part one of a series of the journey. of Yes, but I, I love it. And I saw the, the uh-huh. video. I love the black and white yeah. mask. And I like the one that had it half yeah. and half. But I wanted to see in autonomy, why do you feel that dreams have to shrink in order to fit in? Are you referring to this as a self-belief or as a cultural I belief? think um, unless you are what the majority want, and unless it's your dream to fit in, any form of authentic expression will most likely need to undergo some tailoring to suit the majority, if that's your purpose. You know, if you want to fit in, if you want to belong mm-hmm. to a larger group, you will probably have to uh, tailor it to suit the various tastes, but also to make it safe and palpable for the majority. And that's why you'll see the difference. You can actually see the difference between content that has been tailored to suit the masses versus content that is really original and coming from a a very truthful, authentic place within. You can tell the difference. And I think, uh, yeah, so I think that's why I think if you want to fit in, you'll probably need to shrink your dream a little, tailor it to suit people. But if you want to follow your own path, you'll need to be resilient and accept that a part of that journey is going to be some rejection from people. Now, when you say, is the wrath a self-reflection? Because you mentioned yes. wrath. So I think when you choose to follow your truth, when you choose to say no to what no longer resonates with you, and yes to what does, and when you choose to be more honest with yourself and others about who you are and what you want and what you'll no longer stand for, what you won't make room for anymore. By virtue of doing that, I think you are going to trigger people. You're going to trigger insecurities. You're not, you're not, you know, you're just by virtue of stepping into your skin and no longer playing the game, no longer stroking egos to make themselves, to make people feel good about themselves in your company. You know, you're not playing that game anymore. You're just showing up. I think that can trigger people because It makes them think, it makes them question whether they're being true to themselves, but it can also provoke envy, jealousy, and all kinds of of, um, emotions that can be hurtful towards you. Because you're a writer and I'm a writer too. And sometimes you do get a bad review and you're like, yeah, but then you listen to it and say, okay, how can I improve? Where are they coming from? Because sometimes uh, a criticism can be helpful. Oh, yeah. So you're talking, if, I'm not talking about criticism here in the context of this poem. I'm talking about being truthful with yourselves, with yourself and others and, and following a path or following your higher truth. I think that stance in general uh, can provoke people. It can trigger people's insecurities and discomforts around you as a person because you're no longer, you're no longer playing the game. No, I understand. And then they were like, who well, are you to kind of, the yeah. similar? Yes, I yeah. was going to say that. 
who are you to think that you're this? But that's because they were used to you being a certain way. That's true. And also they're probably used to themselves and to the society of being a certain way. And here you are showing up saying, well, I'm going to kind of figure it out my way. And I'm going to express my truth in this way. Um, that's bound to rattle people up. The, the truth is not always taken well. No, it's not. And it makes people, I think, feel a little unsure about themselves, but they reflect it upon you. They project it. Exactly. Were there any situations outside of your being that you felt that you weren't able to express? Oh, yes. Plenty. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that cultural or or self-imposed? I think partly yes. And partly it's a, it's not a cultural issue. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things I wasn't allowed to express, or at least not without getting into trouble, uh, being a woman of uh, Middle Eastern heritage, uh, growing up in Saudi Arabia. Uh, there are a lot of um, rules over there, and um, freedom of expression can, uh, I guess, um, go against those rules, you know? Mm-hmm. But Having said that, I think that freedom of expression is actually a global or the issues we have, their lack of it is a global phenomenon and not something that is restricted to to the Middle East. I think it's a subject that has been spoken about and written about for centuries. I mean, you can go back to the fifth century BC with Plato. You can go back to what was it called? even let's skip that and let's move forward and talk about Chomsky, Noam Chomsky, George Orwell, Milton, Voltaire, all these guys have been speaking about freedom of expression. So I think it's an international issue. Naturally, uh, it's more concentrated in countries that are ruled by dictatorships. Or very uh, patriarch, very patriarch. My heritage is Puerto Rican, but in Spanish, Spanish culture, You do have some of that and some countries more than others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In Puerto Rico, it's not as Mm -hmm. strict, (laughs) but even just being a woman and speaking up. I mean, the biggest thing that's going on here in the United States is that we have a vice president that's a female and she's half black and half Indian. Kind of crazy to me how, you know, I find it astonishing that this surprises us. I find it astonishing that we are. At a, at a stage where this is so impressive to us, it should really be commonplace. It, you know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it should be like a whatever. <laughs> I agree. You know, but it's not. It's such a big deal yes, to us. Know, right before we got on, I just saw a special on because here in the United States, I don't know if they do this in the Middle East, but we have a Women's mm-hmm. Month. So this month is Women's yeah. Month. So they yes. had a special about all these yeah. women that have done quite a bit. So the, is that happened yes. there too? I don't know if it's an international yes, thing. Yes, yes. Okay. There's a lot of female empowerment going on here. I, to be honest, I don't always partake in it. Sometimes I feel like it's becoming sexist in a way. When, it, uh, yeah, like, you know, so, so, but, and sometimes I think it's wonderful. So it really depends on the, on the project and the initiative and the content that's coming out. But yeah, there's a lot of female empowerment here in the UAE. Yeah. Yes. Good. I think it's about time. And you're right. It's, it should be the normal, but it's not. And at least I think we're going there now. I like how the poem 
is allowing you to defy yeah. the odds. How do you think it's different for a poet in Dubai compared to the lifestyle in a Western country? Or is there any difference? Um, to be honest, Dubai is, is, is fairly liberal uh, as long as you don't go political and um, overtly sexual, which obviously tells you that you're not that free, but it's not as strict. It, it's the same thing here. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's more yeah. open. But people are still biased against yeah. it, is what I was trying I think to say. Th I think there's a difference between the culture accepting it and then the, the law accepting it. Uh, so here we also oh, have probably, you know, we need to be considerate of those sensitivities. But, but it's not as strict as somewhere like Pakistan or Afghanistan, you know? I think, though, uh, following your own path and, and honoring your creative integrity here is somewhat of a challenge nonetheless whether you're into politics or not. And I think it's because it's such a commercial city. It's such a social media influencer city. So it's quite easy to feel at odds here. And, and I suspect it's the same in, in big cities like Los Angeles. You know, it's, it's about the numbers and the mm -hmm. likes and all that kind of stuff. But the difference yeah. is in, in LA, you will have pockets of unique and unconventional styles that will echo your voice whereas yes yeah whereas here it's and and plus you've been around um, freedom of expression has been around for much longer there whereas here i think we're still kind yes. of garnering momentum and and people are probably still trying to figure out how to push their own boundaries in that sense there's still a, a personal struggle for me but less so when it comes to the political side of things Uh, to be fair, I mean, there are a couple of subjects that I've been wanting to uh, talk about, actually, now that I've, I'm remembering, and, and I haven't because, or I have, but I got in trouble because of it. So uh, I've had to be mindful, which isn't a nice feeling, you know, one has to appreciate that it's still not as bad as, as other places. True. And there are pockets, just like there's pockets of very liberal people here. There are areas that you can't express they're very religious and there's one kind and you and it's like that you can't really think yeah. different or you can but it's behind closed doors yeah I mean like I've but again I think that's that that's the difference between a culture not accepting it and the law not accepting it I remember once I was speaking about um, human rights not once many times I've spoken about uh, certain situations <laughs> that are happening in Saudi Arabia and that was not received very well And um, I got a warning from the government. So it didn't stop me. I just figured a, out a different way to express the same point. But it's not a nice feeling when you know that you, you can't even express uh, your feelings about human rights because you might go, you know, you might, yeah. you might go to jail for it. So it is scary, yeah. isn't it? So there is, there's quite a difference in uh, between living in the Middle East and here. I have never been to the Middle East, so please forgive my ignorance if I don't yeah. know too much. I've, I only know from what I hear from in the oh. news, and, uh, but I wanted to hear from someone that actually yeah. lives there. Where did you film the video? For uh, this in moment? an emirate called Ras Al Khaima. It's pronounced Ras Al Khaima. Ras Al Khaima, okay. yeah, it's head of the tent, actually. That's what it means, it's really. Oh, okay. uh, it's, uh, there are lots of mountains over there. 
And uh, it had had that feeling that I wanted to get across a large landscape, uh, somewhat intimidating. And with a small group of people wearing masks, I thought it was a, it was a cool frame. Yes. And I like the mirror in it too. And the second one has there the mirror. Also, the second did... episode that has the mirror, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, I tell yeah, you, yeah. I watched a whole bunch <laughs> of these. <laughs> I like that it's at the water now mm. is that when you're at the beach, is that in the same area? Because it kind of looks a little rocky. Too. No, no. Nope. So the beach okay. is in Dubai, um, but the the area with all the mountains and the rocks, that's in Ras al-Khaimah. Uh -huh. And how far is that from Dubai? Like an hour and a, between an hour, an hour and a half, I'd say, drive. I did enjoy the black and white to state the difference between the self and compliance. Mm -hmm. And the difference between that and the color film and as you're writing the poem down, did you do the beach in color to show what in comparison to the black and white? Because I know that there's a statement. It was really more for contrast. On the one hand, there is the story. And then on the other hand, there is the telling of the story. Um, I just wanted to create contrast between the two and I wanted to something that could translate well into the second episode and third episode. And should I come up with a fourth one than the fourth episode? Uh, oh, that's ultimately uh, why I went for that. Yeah. And then now if you you'll notice in the first uh -huh. episode, there's so there's the, the beach scene, which mm -hmm. is throughout all episodes. Um, in the first episode, in contrast, you have the black and white. Mm -hmm. In the second episode, which is about the shadow, it's more of a blue tint. And in the third episode, which is about power, it's more of a golden tint. I got to watch them again. Now I'm going to be <laughs> looking for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what prompted you to start this three-part series, Journey of Becoming? Naturally, it's a personal reflection. Um, I wanted to share the fears and rewards and struggles of stepping away from the trodden path to follow one's own calling. Ultimately, the reason I created it was to make sense of my own experiences, uh, to understand what I was facing and the philosophy behind it, to articulate it. And then, and I think this is the difference between writing and poetry, writing helps me make sense of my experiences, but poetry helps me transform it into art. I it's, like that. Uh, it's playful. You get to spice it up with rhythm and melody. So I got to enjoy the process of transforming my difficulties into something that was playful and artistic for me. I really like that. You use Carl Jung's shadow theory. I love it. It's yeah. one of my favorites, but in the dark side, I like how you played and used the shadow as the he and you as the she. And it kind of seems like a little bit of a romantic back and forth on it. I like that. I love like a love hate romantic. But you're now talking about a different poetry film, which is not part of the series. Well, uh, this is, is the dark side, which is called it? the dark side. Dark yeah, side. exactly. And that's um, basically um, play between uh, the shadow, and I refer to the shadow as a he, which is the darker side of me, my ego, which I refer to as a she, and then you have myself, which is basically, I guess, right in the middle. 
and yeah, so you're right. There, there has been a play uh, with gender in that, uh, partly for ease of reference, but partly for poetic play. Now I'm sorry, I drifted off to dark side. I want to go no. back to the journey of becoming. I also just remembered uh, uh-huh. we were talking earlier about when I said you can date back to uh, the fifth century. I was referring to the Athenian democratic principle, where they spoke heavily about the freedom of speech, and that's like all the way back to the fifth century BC, maybe um, late sixth century as well, somewhere around that time. So yeah, so freedom of expression has been a subject of interest for a very, very long time, and it's a global issue. It's um, it seems like that's been discussed, and sometimes earlier civilizations were more into that, and then it changed. Then yeah, I mean, it changed. fluctuates, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, fluctuates. It, uh, I don't understand why you become more enlightened. To go back. You mean wisdom? You mean you you get wisdom from the past? Is that what you're saying? Sorry. Yes. Well, some societies will have a ton of wisdom and more enlightened than others. And then centuries pass and then they go back, they regress instead of because we've been talking about this for thousands of years. Um really, yeah. how much well, has actually changed? Well, definitely for for hundreds of years. Um, and I think. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a classic case of looking at all the empires who flourished and where they are today. I mean, look at the Persian Empire versus Iran, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the, the Egyptian Empire versus Egypt today, or the Roman Empire, you know, I mean, or, or the Babylonian. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that uh, evolution or civilization is um, necessarily follows a linear Progression, yeah, it fluctuates. It would be nice if it would, wouldn't it? We'd be so far ahead. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a great fan of of the fall. I'm a great fan of uh, dipping every once in a while. Um, I'm a great fan of even appreciating uh, some of the 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 sorrows we feel. um, Being a little down sometimes, I think it's. uh, I think there's something you learn there, and this contract. I think that necessary. I think that's exactly why we have downtimes because yeah. we learn. Yeah. But it seems something like goes we, wrong. Something seems to go wrong and we don't pay attention. And then it just escalates and then it's, we spiral down and then we're like, Oh, okay. And then we start reflecting and pulling together various insights and we rebuild again. And I just think that that seems to be the process of life. There's this constant fluctuation and contrast, uh, much like the day and the night. They're both important facets of of the same existence. Yes. I think it's how you interpret the bad. If you interpret it as a lesson or as as a punishment. Mm. I think it's a lesson. It's like, oh, let me hurry up and learn what I have to learn from this so I could move on. Through the traumas and whatever I've gone through my life, I'm glad I did because I learned so much from them. It took me a while on some of them to get over it, but I think it's been a blessing, really, to have gone through some difficult times because I wouldn't have known. I actually have a poetry film called Blessing in a Crisis. Oh, really? Is that up on YouTube? It sure is. Oh, yeah. Then I'll (laughs) definitely check it out. Yeah. (laughs) I watched all the three part of Journey of Becoming, and now I I forget which ones came next because I didn't write down the names. So you have autonomy, and the second one is your shadow, and the third your shadow, and the third. Your power. That, those three are part of a series called The Journey of Becoming. 
I just heard your shadow again today. Okay. I listened to the audio and not so your video. shadow is, I mean, that's been a very important part of my personal journey, really owning these darker, disagreeable qualities that I have. And it, it, in a way, it really humbled me. It bruised my ego somewhat to confront these ugly parts of me, but it really ended up being quite an empowering part of my journey because, you know, you get to a point where the more you integrate these aspects into your conscious awareness, the more a sense of wholeness you feel and the more access you have to the different emotions and tools and qualities and, and even demons that can serve your purpose. Uh, so really using these so-called weaknesses in the service of whatever it is you're, you're trying to do. And, and, you know, well, you know, uh, when it comes to art or creative expression as an artist, you, you really benefit from these less obedient uh, qualities and ideas that you have. I was the, the lost How oh, are you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was the artsy, artsy one, poet. I wasn't really lost. It was just, a, you know, oh, her, she's the lost one, you know. It was like you, you made something of it. Yeah. And it's who I am. They, my mom comes, my mom was the one that called me that, but her family are all musicians. Oh, so she can understand. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So she just did that to mess with me. Oh, okay. You know, more like her family. Cause I'm, you know, actor, singer. Oh, wow. but the third mm -hmm. one, tell us how you came about. Uh, the the third one is probably my most challenging one because it's about quite an unusual fear, which is the fear of our own power, the fear of our own uniqueness, and how we shy away from that for various reasons, which I, I touch upon in the poem. And the reason that one was challenging for me is I cannot say that I am always in my power, but I had glimpses of it and I leveraged the moment and wrote about it. If only I can always be there. I think it's a hard place to be. Uh, you, you, you get distracted you fall into the trap of, of playing small. But the fact that I had glimpses of that experience was something I definitely wanted to take advantage of. Well, you did a beautiful job. Thank on you. It. And in, the, in this series, I actually used a lady who is the first Saudi woman to climb Mount Everest. Yeah, wow. yeah, to reach the summit. I, I featured her because I thought her achievement was quite relevant to the the process of ascending that is very impressive you wouldn't get me up yeah. there. that's like brave i that's very brave but then also i think you're being brave by opening up mm. yourself i think there's a lot of bravery and allowing others to see your vulnerability many people can relate to that they relate to someone that opens up because it makes them feel like they're okay that's true. It's like, oh, I'm not alone. Exactly. There's, there's other people that feel this way. And, yeah. and then you, you do it so well that it, it makes an influence on them. They can see, they can see the symbolism. They can see how it, things are not always black and white, mm. but we think sometimes I think they we are. make it so to make it easy to, to uh, digest. Yes. It makes you feel more sure-footed because I find that people feel they need to 
know. They have to certainty. know because it yeah, does make certainty. Yeah, because yeah. It, it makes you feel like you have some kind of certainty in your life. But you don't. But what mm. I've ex- no, what I've experienced is when you allow yourself to get rid of those certainties and be more open, then creativity flourishes. And it's nerve-wracking though. It, it is. I, yeah, I agree. I totally to live agree. life in the face of uncertainty. Well, you, you have to find different means of, of holding on, of, of anchoring yourself. And I think uh, that's why uh, when you're very clear on what your purpose is, that becomes the place you anchor yourself to in a way. And this is why I think routine and rituals are extremely helpful in creating structure in a life and a world that is so uncertain. You do need stability. But what I found that when I let go, it allowed my creativity to flourish. Everyone still needs stability. You need a roof over your head. You need food. You need money. You need those things. And especially during this pandemic, which I'm glad we're at the tail end. I hope we are at the tail end. Your basic needs haven't even been met for many people. So it's very hard to venture off. Yeah, very hard to to branch off from that and and be creative. Also true. I think, yeah. Although it seems that some of the greatest artists who have ever exist have plowed through despite austerity. Well, I think that there's a lot of things that happened during the pandemic. Yeah, we had the Black Lives Matter march. I started this podcast during it. I needed a way to reach out to people and learn from people at the same time. And that's what prompted me to do this. All the emotions and everything that people were feeling, it's all a perception. So what you hence, mean? perception is the way we think, our perception. No, I know. But what do you mean that what they're experiencing is, um, is just a perception? As in they're like... Ex- um, the, the 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 trouble they feel or the struggle well you or... have the the what's happening you let's say they lost their job the reality right yeah. the reality they lost their job they don't have any money you can look at that as yes that's terrible you do have to deal with it or you can figure out what can i do in the meantime while this is happening and what i've noticed some people very much held down to the fact that they lost all of this instead of looking in a different direction for what they could yeah. gain I guess that's a, a an attitude, right? It, it is. You, it's a perception yeah. of if you're. Is I went through the financial difficulty just like everybody. Although else. I mean, I do empathize, and um, I can't imagine what it's like to completely lose everything, though. Oh, it's where you so, don't even have a roof over your head. That is horrifying. That's where I thought at one point, um, well, how am I going to pay? Yeah. So that's it. Was scary. It's scary. There's no Yeah, and I think it's still scary for quite a lot of people in, oh, yes. in the US especially. They they just passed a program to help renters pay their rent because there were people that were about to be evicted. It's I'm not understating the trauma this has caused on yeah. so many people. I was part of it. I just mm. knew eventually we were going to get better and as long as I could stay healthy That was Mm -hmm. my main goal. I just wanted to stay healthy, just survive during during this time, but try to be creative, try to take my mind away from, I don't watch the news because of that. Just trying to get away. Did you end up writing poetry during that period or was your mind more towards? Um, um, I ended up writing. 
I ended up writing outlines for stories. I branched out. I'm, my next poetry book is, is poetry and a short story. So mm -hmm. I mean, short stories, because I felt like I needed to start doing a little bit of a longer form and tell, okay. and tell more of a story. Is there anything that you want to tell us about that you want to talk about? You got California here. I hope that uh, life is kind to everyone and enables everyone to really find what makes them tick, uh, what helps them cope. Now you told me, because I remember you, you're writing a book. Do you want to let us know anything? About I am that? writing a philosophical memoir and I won't give too much away at this stage because I'm actually still figuring out the style and the structure. I'm dedicating several hours a day to it, uh, several days a week. And it's quite uh, an experience for me. It's, it's not the same as sitting down and uh, writing poetic stories, short stories. It's really not the same. It's uh, far more challenging for me personally. But it's part of the plan. It's part of my schedule. It's something that's important for me that I need to, that I need to do. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for asking about it. How can people Best reach you? Way, there, well, there are three, three ways to get to reach me. One is my website, um, which is www.mariamroth.com. The other is uh, my Instagram, which is just at mariamroth. And the third is my YouTube channel. I mean, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll share these. So yeah, they'll be in the notes as well. Yeah. Cause it's a bit of a long one. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, those are the best ways to reach me. And I'm sort of in and out when it comes to Instagram. Sometimes I'm active. A lot of times I'm not, uh, but I only use these platforms to share my work and my work process. It's not really for personal use. And for those of you that have Insight Timer, she's on Insight Oh, that's Timer. true. I'm also there. I'm grateful to it. It's a good platform because, you know, it's, it's one of the rare platforms where people are really, really present. They're yes. there to listen, you know, so that's quite refreshing, I think, uh, in comparison to something like uh, Instagram, where yeah. people are really not present there. They're just... No, they're just scrolling. saying, yeah, they're scrolling um, through it and... And if it catches their eye because they added a little video, I've noticed that that's more catchy too, if there's like a little tiny video attached to it. But Inside Timer, I think it's, it's absolutely, I, I was it's using a great it for, yes, I was using it for years before I became a teacher. Thank you for it. inviting me onto your podcast. And, and uh, uh, I really, what I really appreciate is that the focus was the poem and, and the work. Uh, I, I enjoy that far more than personal interviews. You know, I actually like making the focus uh, our labor of love. So thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection podcast. Available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.